Yale Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quadcast, a Yale Divinity School podcast series focusing on issues related to religion, culture, and politics. In this episode, YDS alum Emily Judd interviews Yale Divinity School professor Bruce Gordon about his new book titled The Bible, A Global History. Professor Gordon argues that the Bible is a book in motion that can never be static. The Bible is constantly evolving because its language can never be fixed. Its language is not carved in stone. He weighs in on how we can reconcile ancient biblical teachings with our modern cultures and values. The Bible is not simply bound to the historical moments in which it was created. We are not bound to those particular cultural uh, moments. We are bound to what we see as the teaching of, of the Spirit. And Professor Gordon also weighs in on how the role of the Bible is changing as the heartlands of Christianity shift to South America and Africa. Where Christianity is flourishing, the Bible is seen as this book that, that transforms every, that heals. Your new book, titled The Bible, A Global History, discusses how ancient debates about the contents of the Bible, how they differ from the debates about the Bible that are going on today. I'm wondering, how do the ancient uh, disputes about the Bible, how do they compare to the modern debates? So uh, what I'm, I'm interested in, in is, is looking at the debates as to when you know, what, what surrounded the whole question of the Bible as it emerges and its history and how many of those debates are still very much with us, very different contexts. You know, as the, the title suggests, we live in a global religion uh, where, you know, the European and even North American contexts have been, you know, significantly decentered as the, as the place of, of Christianity. But many of the debates are, are, are familiar and in, in a sense would be familiar to people in the fourth and fifth century. How do you translate this text? Which books belong in the Bible. So these, these debates which are there right from the beginning of the Bible as a book are very much uh, at the heart of, of what we think about now in, in debates over the Bible. You know, controversies over new translations. We live in an age now where there are many new uh, translations and versions of the Bible that are being made for particular readerships. We have African-American Bible, we have an indigenous Bible, we have Bibles that are, you know, controversially this new constitutional Bible, which includes the American Constitution as inserted and, and other documents inserted into, into the Bible. Well, that's making decisions about what this book should be. And one of the points of this of of my story is that, that, in a sense, that's always been the case. This is this is a book that's never been one thing. It's had many lives, and and we're seeing that today. I want to pick up on something that you mentioned, which was the issue about biblical translation. So, the Bible, the languages of the Bible, Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek. Now it's been translated from these original uh, language, which it was written in, into over 700 languages. How important was translation of the Bible for the expansion and development of Christianity into a truly global religion? Translation is a theme that runs through every part of, of this story from the 4th and 5th centuries to 2022, 2023. This is the, the question of 
how do you render not only language, but the culture of sacred texts through ancient Israel, through first century Palestine, the languages in which the texts were written, Greek, Aramaic, as you say. Throughout the history of the Bible, there's always been this conflict between the versions that are known, that have been used, that have been passed down through families and churches and societies, and the controversial idea of a new translation to which people don't necessarily feel uh, any any attachment. There's another aspect of, of translation that runs through the whole story, and that is how do you convey ideas that are so particularly expressed in Hebrew or in Greek into other languages, non-Semitic languages, which have a very different form and structure and very different vocabulary. And I'll give one example. In China, when the Jesuits go to China in the 16th century, they discover very quickly, of course, that Chinese doesn't necessarily have a vocabulary for the Christian religion or for the Bible. Questions like the Trinity or questions, uh, questions of both theology and, but above all, the names for God. And so there was this complex process where they tried to sort of find language by which the, the originals could be brought into languages that didn't necessarily, that were very sophisticated languages, but didn't have that sort of vocabulary. The Jesuits had a huge problem. It was <clears throat> extremely controversial in their own time. But even up to our own day, there are different versions for the name of God in Chinese, and people differ considerably in how, what is the most appropriate form. This is a story that plays out in India, in Africa, in South America. The idea of taking the biblical language and putting it in, as you say, to 700 languages, the indigenous Bible in North America is dealing with the same question. How... It's not, it's not a straightforward matter of like for like. Translation is a cultural event. It involves all sorts of, of decisions. And of course, translation is always interpretation. So translation is not neutral. Translation, in some ways, is a highly political act. So it's a story that, that runs, the, 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 the story of the Bible is absolutely uh, bound up into how do you convey it into languages? So how do we decide when a translation of the Bible becomes either unreliable or problematic? For instance, the Jehovah's Witness, their translation of the Bible, which they claim to be the most accurate version of the Bible, it strays away from the original meanings uh, or you know the intention of the words. So instead of calling Jesus God they call Jesus a God or the word, yeah. which uh, meaning yeah. Jesus. So how do we know when something is a valid translation and when it's not, when it becomes unreliable and um, I don't want to say heretical, but in a way, you know, going against uh, Christian teachings. Well, in this, <laughs> if, if, if I could invent an easy answer to that question, I think I would become very famous because this is the story of, of the Bible, of competing translations at various points. 
such as you know in the in in the eastern and western churches there were attempts not only to to you know close the canon fix the canon but also attempts to to have the 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 best possible translations but that's always been a relative thing because translations are constantly being revised it's never been uh, successful to sort of stipulate that there is one translation every time you see efforts to do that uh, there is co- the, the Bible just won't be static in that way. New versions appear. They find audiences. Sometimes those translations are not successful. They die and they disappear. But there's, translation is constantly regenerating itself. Even the Latin Bible of the, of the medieval West, the, what's known as the Vulgate, which is the work of Jerome that comes out of the 15th and 16th, centuries. It takes a very long time before it becomes the standard Bible in the West. But even during the Middle Ages, it was the Bible, Jerome's Bible, but it had many, many different forms. There was no one version of it. And people were constantly trying to correct it and revise it, but there was no fixed version of it. The Bible is constantly evolving because its language can never be fixed. Its language is not carved in stone. It's back to the issue of translation. It's constantly being interpreted anew. And every effort to, we see this in Russia, every effort to to fix a translation, to be honest, rarely, almost never, never works because people are are, uh, rereading, retranslating. Now, we know that the Bible was not written in a cultural vacuum. Its stories come from different cultures, from different ages including ancient Egyptian, Persian, Greco-Roman. How can biblical teachings be culturally relevant today if the teachings were shaped by ancient cultures that no longer are in existence? For instance, the Apostle Paul, who lived in a first century culture that valued men above women, he writes that women should be silent in the church. How do we consider that relevant in our current culture where we're trying to prioritize gender equality? Sure. And and again, uh, you know, we, we see this in very powerful ways on a whole range of of questions that you've suggested. You know, gender is is one of them. Uh, you know, there's there's the whole issue which is, you know, an important part of the story that I tell, for instance, of slavery. Um, you know, one finds in the Bible some very disturbing passages about slavery, and there with you know, or you know, what's known as the curse of Ham, um, which was long used to justify uh, enslavement and colonialism and uh, ideas of superiority of of you know, particularly of European, but then also of of. Uh, of whiteness. There were many people in South Africa because of the, the teachings of the Dutch Reformed Church who believed that the you know that we had to liberate ourselves from the Bible to in order to cast off apartheid, to to cast off the, the rule of of uh, white colonialists or or and and so and then others come uh, we're arguing that actually the language of the Bible, the stories of the Bible, such as Exodus or uh, the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, actually empowered people to resist and to find their own story uh, in, in the Bible. There is always a dynamic 
in the Bible in which one can explore the original circumstances in which these stories take place. We can find out as much as possible. I think it's incredibly helpful for us to know as much as possible about uh, ancient Israel or Egyptian or Persian uh, influences and how that shapes this uh, to to know about you know the culture of servitude that existed in these ancient Near Eastern cultures to know that this is where the text comes from but the Bible as a living document is also uh, you know transcends that historical moment this is you know this is this is the the view of of you know subsequent translation uh, tra- that w- that the Bible is not simply bound to the historical moments in which it was created. We are not bound to those particular cultural uh, moments. We are bound to what we see as the teaching of of the Spirit, and that um, that has always been the the life of the Bible. And we will read it differently from people in the 16th century. We will read it differently from people in the 4th century. And that's always going to be the way. So it's this dynamic between, yes, it is the sacred text. Yes, it is, whether you're Orthodox, Pentecostal, Protestant, or Catholic, it is the book of, of, of the church. But it continues to speak and be interpreted and be the way in which God's revelation is, is brought. As the heartlands of Christianity become more concentrated in Africa and South America, Christians uh, globally the biggest amount of Christians are in Africa now, in South America. How do you see the role of the Bible changing? I think it's it's changing in, you know, it's changing as it has always changed in, in, in terms of, of culture and, as you say, ways in which it's not only read but heard and experienced. You know, in the, in the Middle Ages, you know, we can think about the Bible in the Middle Ages, but the Bible was rare. Most people never encountered the Bible as a book, most people couldn't read because book, everyone was, was illiterate. A, at the, most yeah, people was, were illiterate. It was rarely a book where you know you, the Old and two te- uh, New Testaments were bound together. Mostly, the Bible separ- you know circulated in parts. You had the Pentateuch, you had the Gospels, you had the Psalms, you had the letters, and and people heard it mostly through the context of 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 the liturgy of the Mass. But they also encountered the Bible through paintings on their church walls, through church dramas, the performance of, of plays, through preaching in the streets. So the Bible as a as a you know a center of, of culture wasn't just a book. It it embraced life from a whole range of aspects. And I think, you know, to come back to your to your to your point, um, I think you know the the flourishing of Christianity in in the majority world, and you know we, to this we should in, include uh, the Philippines, Indonesia, uh, Korea, and China. Of course, China today is the biggest producer of Bibles, although it's you know it's officially an atheist country. Um, that's where the majority of Bibles are printed, in, including in America. Um, so you know the the world has has changed enormously, and and to come back to the point we were we were speaking about it, it is being read in in very different ways. You know, in these forms of Christianity, perhaps predominant amongst them is Pentecostalism, in South America and Africa, where this you know people are are on fire. The Bible is this incredibly 
energetic, dynamic force that just fills every aspect of of life. Now that goes in different directions. There's you know what we might call the prosperity gospel, uh, which is very pos- you know which is very prominent. But it's it's also you look in places like Nigeria, where there's a huge media world of of the Bible that spreads across Africa. People are hearing the Bible on through recordings as they travel on buses. They're hearing the you know they're the Bible you know there's a huge emphasis in cultures of of healing and in the supernatural, which is very different from Western European North American Christianity. Yes, there's elements of that are, are 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 present, but you know, in the kind of liberal Protestant or in in uh, the tradition, that's that's not how we think about the Bible. Where Christianity is flourishing, the Bible is seen as this book that that transforms every, that heals, that that it connects our world with a surrounding world of 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 the spiritual, both malign and benevolent. So. Yes, in the Bible, in in these dynamic cultures, is being read in new and and different ways from 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 you know European North American cultures, and to be honest, I think that's the way of the future. This is what I hope with my book is to to help people discover that the Bible's never been one thing, but it's been more than we've ever imagined it. Well, I I think that's a great note to end on. <laughs> Very hopeful. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. And I can't wait for the book, uh, to read the book myself and have a better understanding of, as you said, that the Bible has been many different things. It's not static. It's ever, um, you know, it's, it's always speaking to us and the different generations. So thank you so much. Thank you for asking me. I appreciate it.